0: Look, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon. It's Thursday, the year of our Lord, November the 9th, 2017. You got a belly up to the bar. We've kept your seat, and it's great to see you back. Angel is going to be a bartendress tonight. She pours where the best of them and the lava lamp is, in fact, lighted to my left, your right. If you happen to be watching live, and you can, you can watch live on the SHR Media channel on YouTube. You can watch live on the SHR Facebook Live page and High Plains Media TV. You can go there, do-do-do, quick like a bunny and partake of all the buttery political goodness that is yet to come for two hours late the hell at night. You know what? I don't think we water our drinks. Jersey Joe says so, but I don't think so. Just like we don't water our conversation, politics, religion, crime, culture, economics, race, sex, science, law. We talk about it all. Here at the saloon, nothing is sacred. The speech is free, but the booze is not. All we ask is that you flush the damn toilet, jiggle the handle, don't forget to tip your waitress. Tonight, hey, it's just who I thought it was. It's the professor who happens to be calling in because I was just going to announce the professor and oddly enough. There he is. Do we have the underground professor on the air right now on the phone, Dr. Michael Jones?
2: I can neither confirm nor deny.
0: (laughs) As as well you shouldn't, mister. Let's not give that stuff. You can't give that stuff up for free. They have to be parameters and limits to one's life. Hey, i got to ask you, (laughs) uh, last night on the Sackhead Show... It actually rained a little bit out here on the far left coast in Sacra Tomato, Fornicalia, near the veritable belly of the beast. And uh, it rained pretty hard. That's the first pretty hard rain that we've gotten of the season. And it's kind of chilly-willy, beautiful for fall. Love it. So in your neck of the woods there in Texas, what's it like? Is it uh, starting to get a little cooler for you?
2: Well, let's see. Three days ago it was 90 degrees. And, no. Uh oh, <laughs> no. And today it was like 59, 60. Uh, we had an inch of rain yesterday. So okay. every day it's different. Yeah, it's like we live on a different planet every different day.
0: Well, hey, listen. You're energy independent, so why shouldn't you be like dimension independent? While the rest of the country does whatever the hell it wants to do, Texas does whatever that's the right. hell it wants to do, which is why people live in Texas for one thing. Exactly. We've got our um,
2: own grid, and <laughs> might as well have our own everything else.
0: You know that's that's <laughs> absolutely true. Um, you guys, are, I think if I'm not mistaken, you are one of the most unique. States, because you do in fact have true energy independence, and uh, along with that um, you have uh, you guys have the chemical coast in the Gulf, I mean all the the Keystone XL pipeline goes right down boom to the chemical coast mm-hmm. in Texas. You guys have just about everything that you would possibly want for independence and Correct me if I'm not mistaken, there's something about that that's written into the Texas constitution, is there not?
2: Yeah, we're we're uh, we're required to be able to be independent. You know, there's a lot of people that talk about Trump building a wall. Right. Uh, most Texans think that it should go along like Arkansas, Oklahoma, you know, New Mexico. <laughs> It's, that's where it should be. Ouch. And, uh, yeah, we don't care. You know, you, we don't have to block Mexico out of this. Just, you know, we can <laughs> block all the Yankees, then we'll be fine. We can, we can sit around and, you know, wait for 10 years and then buy America back 10 cents on the dollar.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, number one, I have to tell you, the only reason I haven't left this state is because my wife still works, and she said she wants to not work for another. Uh, mm, I, I'm guessing another three or four, maybe even another five years if she gets the job that she's looking for. She's, she can kind of beef up her retirement a little bit. But I'll tell you what, if I could, if she was free, so to speak, and retired, and I could move to a state, one of the first states that I would definitely look into would be Texas. Now, the mindset, the philosophy of Texas, love it. Um, some of the cities and the towns of Texas, love them because we've seen how resilient they are, if nothing else, in Sutherland Springs and the mm-hmm. mindset of an actual Texan who went out and engaged the enemy. And there's no other way to call that piece of shit except an enemy. Right. Uh, the only concern that I had was I need to find some place that's one of the coolest spots in Texas because me and heat and humidity, we're... I gotta cross my fingers here. We're not quite exactly like that, because I spent oh five or six years in Ohio, and we got snow, and they got brain glazing heat and just ass loads of humidity. So I'd need to find some place in Texas that was one of the cooler places I could find.
2: Yeah, you would uh, want to go up in the Panhandle. That uh, that can get pretty cold up in there. <laughs> of course, you know what I think, uh, and, and I, I probably have a lot of support down here. Is I think we should reclaim Imperial Texas uh, before James Polk uh, took all the land from us in an agreement to allow us to come in. You know, because we came in, and the uh, United States would not pay our debt off, and so we sold a whole bunch of land to the United States, and that's how we paid our debt. Wow! uh, Of course, you know because Texas went. uh, It covered a lot of like Colorado and Wyoming, and and it's a lot of states in America
0: that used to be Texas. Well, you were a uh, a territory before you were a state, right? Well, we were a a republic. I'm sorry, that's right. We were
2: never a territory. We were a republic. republic. Yeah, Yeah, because we belonged to Mexico and they lured a whole bunch of gringos over to uh, get land because they had a lot of unsettled land and wanted taxes. And uh, so a lot of people pretended to be Catholic to get land over here, and then Mexico reneged on its deal because of all the fake Catholics, and so we had a little uh, Mexican-Texas war, and, <laughs> and we won. And A, a, uh,
0: a little war.
2: So, yeah, just a little skirmish, yeah. <laughs> and... <laughs> Because you know everything's bigger in Texas, right? So, but anyway, uh, yeah. When we came into the union, one of the uh, deals with the contract was is that we could divide up into five smaller states if we wanted to, up to five states, and we could also secede from the union uh, because we were a republic. So we were our own country when we came into the uh, United States, and not a territory, like say Arizona or Wyoming. And that, uh, so that's that's some nice stuff there that Texas has a privilege of. Yeah,
0: we talked earlier, probably a month and a half ago, about the Electoral College, and that was that discussion that you and I had went about um, maybe half hour, forty five minutes or so, primarily about the Electoral College, and we discussed it in general. And the reason that I wanted to have you back tonight, specifically addressing the Electoral College. Is because in the intervening time, all sorts of people, mostly on the left, have come out and said that, you know what, all things considered, it's time to get rid of the Electoral College. So, um, because, obviously, yeah, one of the.
2: Because it works. <laughs> yeah,
0: because of one of the things, the first thing I, I thought of was that because that did not work to their advantage. It didn't work to their right. advantage uh, with Bush. And it did not work to their advantage with uh, Hillary Clinton and and Donald Trump. Well, since then... Or Al Gore. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. Al Gore. More specifically, Al Gore and Bush. Yes. Thank you for that. So in the meantime, Dr. Jones, what I did is I had written a post. uh, Let's see. How long ago was that? Within the past couple of weeks, I think. Uh, Okay, Friday, November 3rd. There we go. I wrote a post that said... uh, Hillary and leftists, the Electoral College must go. And in terms of that, uh, there was an article from, of all places, I know you're shocked, I hope you're sitting down, CNN.com, and the headline was, Clinton, it's time to abolish the Electoral uh, College. Hillary Clinton told CNN (laughs) on Wednesday that it's time to abolish the Electoral College, part part of a sweeping interview... Where the former Democrat nominee sought to explain why she, why she lost the 2016 election. So I went into pretty significant detail about the background of the Electoral College, a uh, little bit about how it worked, put some videos in there, and then did I ever get some comments? BZ, yeah, I bet. BZ yeah. got some comments. Now, The funny thing is I found that WordPress on my blog works really well. And for the most part, it it eliminates uh, all all the folks that really happen to be spam and trolls and whatnot. And I will will let people on the blog to speak and write more specifically. If they don't, you know, it just automatically devolves to FNS words and I'm a POS. And uh, I happen to know, quite frankly, personally, that I'm not a piece of shit. So that, that said, now, there was a, a rather extensive argument in the comment section how the Electoral College really does need to go. And there, was a, uh, there were a series of individuals in there, one in particular who wrote comment after comment and uh, was laying down an argument for that. And I thought, you know what, this is, I find this rather irritating because we already went over this. And I know what the point of the leftists attempting to eliminate the Electoral College is, but what I'd like to do uh, in, in just a moment is run some of these comments by you and get your opinions and feelings on what it is that these people are writing. Because knowing your background, knowing how well-educated you are, you are, in fact, literally a constitutional scholar, and that's the reason that I love to have you on the show, is because I know that what you say isn't bullshit, and it comes from a philosophy of, you know, let's really learn the background and the history of things, as opposed to, I have a viewpoint and an agenda, and everyone else can go to hell. So with that with that in mind, okay. could you give just sort of a... a a brief overview of what the electrical the electrical the electrical I may as well say it and get it out it's there the electric
2: company <laughs> what
0: what, <laughs> what the electrical college is there I said it I can get it out of the way now what the electrical college is uh what it does and why it's necessary so that power doesn't tip in one direction all the damn time Yeah, well, let
2: me ask you a question. Okay. Okay. The Electoral College is how we elect our president. Yes. But why did the Founding Fathers, what was the purpose behind it? Do you know that? The the simplest answer. Uh, Occam's razor here. uh,
0: My guess would be immediately so that power was not concentrated in the hands of those with power and influence.
2: Okay, you're very, very close, and you're about the closest I've ever gotten from anybody who didn't know the answer completely. Okay. The Constitution is the law of the land, right? And what makes it important is it's the only law that the entire people came to vote on and put it above legislated and statutory law because you know you got god's law and you got man's law correct but uh, the, the constitution the entire country voted on and made that the supreme law of the land and so that's why congress can't just change it will nilly they have to have amendment processes of course you know article five right okay now if you look at the constitution one of the brilliant things about it is And this is something that makes us fairly unique in the world. I know that's probably incorrect English saying fairly and unique in the same sentence, but what makes us fairly unique in the world (laughs) is the fact that our Constitution is about one thing, and that is the separation and limitation of power. Okay. Okay? So everywhere you look in the Constitution, it is a separation of powers. It splits power up between the executive, uh, legislative, and executive branches. Correct. Or judicial executive and legislative branches. And it spreads it out. It even spreads out power between two uh, chambers of Congress, you know, the Senate and the House. Right. Uh, and, and so forth. But what is often overlooked by we, the people, is that we are the sovereigns, which you know we're very proud to say and we brag about. But what we often fail to understand is is the Founding Fathers also separated and limited our powers, (laughs) okay, by the fact that, A, we do not directly elect our president, B, we we do not have, uh, like in California where you are, the initiative process where we can start our own laws, and then if we can get enough people to vote for it, then it becomes a law. Yes. We got rid of initiatives and referendum and said that's not going to happen because we, the people, are going to have a republic. And we have a constitutionally federated republic. And that's the beauty of, of this system is that not only are we the sovereigns and the bosses, but we limited how much we can directly affect everything, and we spread out our power so that we could also be a juggernaut amongst ourselves. Now, we can get angry, and we can completely change things, like, say, over a period of eight years, you know, uh, 1,600 Democrats lose their jobs, uh, you know, at the ballot uh, booth. So we can make ourselves known and feared by politicians who are more afraid of losing their job than doing the right thing, and so they can bow to public will. But the idea was is that we, the sovereigns, are an emotional group. And we can be swayed by, you know, events and, and rhetoric and whatnot. And so we wanted to make sure that the emotions of the sovereign would not override good sense and good government. And so we separated and limited those powers. That is the major purpose of the Electoral College is it is a separation of powers, and, and it is a limitation of powers of the sovereign, you and I. And so while we directly, and this is how the Constitution was originally set up, was that we directly elect our representative, which is the closest person to us in politics. Okay. Then we elect our state legislators, who then select our senators and send them to Congress to represent our state which, of course, was uh, screwed with uh, under the guise of government reform, which was really nothing more than a lurch to the left of socialism. But they uh, uh, now, of course, we have turned our senators, instead of them being representatives of our state, they are now supernumerary representatives uh, in in de facto, because... uh, we, as a state, come together, and so it is like like voting for governor it is a state large, a statewide race per senator, whereas our representative is a district uh, election. And uh, so, anyway, that that has been a change. But we directly elect our representative. We had our states choose our legislator, our, our senators, and then we had an electoral college to elect the president. Okay. Now this was a compromise. Uh, also, not only did it limit uh, the sovereign and spread out power, but it was a compromise solution because there were big states. And now, as a Texan, I often chuckle when I hear things like the big states, like New York and Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, they, they, uh, of course, back in the 1700s, you know, they they were the big places. Right. You know, they had like. They had like 400, 500,000 people living in that state. And, uh, and so that was a lot of people back then, and so they were considered the bigger states. They were concerned that states like Delaware would have too much uh, influence, and Delaware was afraid that they would have none. And, uh, and, and keep that in perspective as a Texan. Uh, Delaware is about the size of the Dallas-Fort Worth area where I live.
0: Yeah, teeny, teeny, uh, weeny.
2: right. So it's uh, yeah. So they they made this compromise and they said, okay, here, look. What we're going to do is we're going to have two senators per state, and that way, in the Senate, with only you know at, at the time thirteen colonies, right? So there'd be there'd be twenty six uh, senators. Today it's a hundred, and. What that would mean is that, in the Senate, every state had equal power. They would not be able to be, you know, ramrodded by big states. And the other compromise was was that that the representatives in the House would be divided by population. And therefore, uh, there'd be one representative for every X number of, uh, of citizens. And that has changed over the years. And it keeps getting bigger and bigger because we capped the size of Congress uh, when we realized it was just going to become too big and too unweldy. And so states like New York and Texas and California have the lion's share of representatives. And so as a big state, we have a lot of authority and influence in the House of Representatives, but we have equal authority and, rep- and influence in, this, in the Senate. Correct. So that was one of the compromises. The second one was is that when we elect the executive branch, that uh, um, we would limit the powers of the sovereign that way, too, and the big states and the little states would have influence uh, fairly equally uh, because we would design something called the Electoral College. Now, what the Electoral College is is every state gets one vote for president for every representative it has, based on population, and each senator. So the minimum a state could have would be three votes. And, of course, Texas has something like 36, and it keeps getting bigger every census. And, of course, uh, you know, those come from other states because we have a 200... Seventy or something like that. I think I can't remember now. Top of my head. It's been a while since I've oh, had to do any real thinking.
0: The the minimum <laughs> the minimum in the electoral college to win. Yeah, two seventy. You're correct.
2: Yes, two seventy. Right. So that's what you have to have to become president. And uh, and you know and then uh, what that would do. The hopes of it was is that places like Delaware, which only had three votes, would also be important to the candidates when they run for office and so you know you 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 heard of the term flyover states
0: yes oh yes
2: the east and left coasts Mm -hmm. and stuff and the rest of us are just flyover. correct well what they were afraid of these little states were is that no one would pay any attention to them in presidential races and the presidents that were elected would ignore them because they just simply didn't have enough you know Influencer power in Congress to to make sure that they weren't just screwed over every time And so the Electoral College was designed to protect them and so if you look at the election between Hillary and Trump You'll see that they made a lot of trips to states that only had three electoral delegates.
0: True, yes,
2: and uh, and the reason why was because there's a strategy in order to to couple 270 electoral delegates You have to put a lot of these small states together uh, because you can't, you know, uh, as of right now, if you could get California, Texas, Florida, and New York, you pretty much got the job. But you still have to have a few extras, you know, even then. And the fact that New York and California are fairly Democrat and Florida and New York are, you know, Florida is more central, more purple, and Texas, of course, is Republican. Uh, it's hard to couple those together and just flat out win. So you have to have a strategy of combining the middle and, and smaller states together. And so they get attention. They get campaign dollars spent in their states and they get promises and they get campaign stops and they actually have influence when it comes to presidential politics. And that was by design to prevent the big states from running and ruling everything. And so that was what the Electoral College was designed to do, was to to limit and separate powers from the sovereign and to allow small states to still have uh, skin in the game and have influence. And it has done that exactly as it was designed. And, and by, by purpose... We decided that the president would not get elected simply on popular vote. And while that may have been a good idea when they did it, it seems to me to be a superior idea today, especially when you look at at the electoral map. Now, whether you're a Republican or Democrat, just set that aside for a second. And look at the electoral map of Trump. And he won some... I don't know, 900 counties or something like that. You know, it was just an incredible amount of counties they want. And if you look at the map uh, between blue and red, virtually 95% of the country is red, except for a couple of blue dots in places like New Mexico and and whatnot, and then the left and the right coasts. You you know, the the coastal cities, California and Oregon and, and Seattle, and then Washington and Well, not Seattle, but Washington. And then you turn around and you look at, uh, you know, Delaware, New Jersey, New York, uh, Philadelphia, those places over on the right, uh, Right. they are all blue. Okay, that's because that's where all the liberals have combined. Go ahead.
0: We've got about two minutes before we go to the break, and you mentioned the Electoral College map, and I'm looking at it right now in my post, and it essentially says half of the U.S. population lives in these counties. Now, as you indicate specifically... As you indicate, in the far left coast, there's a little patch of blue up in the Pacific Northwest, Seattle and around there. There's a massive patch of blue in California, uh, sort of uh, one-third down the state, which mostly is Los Angeles. Then there's a a pretty significant point in, uh, looks like, uh, Arizona. And there's some patches in the Midwest here and there, smattering Uh, a fairly good amount in Florida, and then the northeast uh, below Maine, down to the half of the the country, is blue. And yes, you're absolutely right. In that illustration, it shows that as far as the rest of the country is concerned, all you people don't mean a thing. Let me ask you one question Mm -hmm. before we go. And uh, maybe you can, uh, I'd like to open when we come back, I'd like to open with this. The first rejoinder that I've heard from most leftists is this, and so I'll ask it now and we'll come back and and I'd I'd like your your answer and input on this. The first rejoinder that I've heard from most all leftists is, well, wait a minute, that's just wrong. The people where the, the greater population centers are because there's more people there. Well, we should have a much stronger vote than anyone else. That's the number one argument that I'm hearing. Folks, we are talking to Dr. Michael Jones, who is the underground professor. You're listening to the Bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon here on the SHR Media Network. We're going to go to a break, be about three and a half minutes or so, and we will be right back again. With the underground professor, thanks for coming in, Dr. Michael Jones.
3: Conservative media done right.
4: You're listening to the SHR Media Network.
1: Hey, it's Sean from the Sackheads Radio Show, also one of the owners here at the SHR Media Network. Are you opinionated? Have you ever wanted to do your own show? Have you ever heard somebody like the Sackheads and go, I could probably do that better? Well, now's your chance. Send me... A five-minute clip at SackHeadsRadio at gmail.com. And maybe you can be part of the SHR broadcasting. SackHeadsRadio at gmail.com.
5: Beware, the Jersey Takeover is here. Every Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you can catch River Common Sense Show, hosted by Jersey Joe, Right here on SHRmedia.com. Only Jersey can deliver hell like no one else. So consider this your fair warning.
3: Human by race. Christian by faith. American by nationality. And conservative by choice. Reverend Ralph J. Chitham Sr. is the right guy on shrmedia from 8 to 9 p.m., Monday through Friday. And if on the rare occasion I am ever wrong, I will still always be right. The Right Guy on SHR Media.
6: Power brokers use corrupt politicians, deceptive Islam, and lies from establishment media to turn the once shining city on a hill into the city of the blind. What do the elites fear? One man with a cane. I'm Dave Milner. Join me at SHR Media, High Plains Talk Radio, Spreaker, iTunes, and YouTube for a different kind of commentary on the unpleasant blind guy. Because truth is not always pleasant.
4: Hello. I'm Tim Hart. I'm the guy BZ Hires. Due to his shameless contract with the SHR Media Network to voice his promos, he'd like me to tell you that the Bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon Radio Show can be found on SHR Media Network, Spreaker, and YouTube every Tuesday and Thursday night at 11 p.m. Eastern and 8 p.m. Pacific, featuring right thinking from a left brain and doing the job the American media maggots won't. You'll find that the speech is free, but the drinks are not. There, in the saloon, just when safety pin manufacturers are running out of metal for the diapers of the leftists, BZ is sending his personal drones of freedom into the wheelhouses and ossicles of lovers of sovereignty and liberty nationally and globally. Broadcasting behind enemy lines in occupied California, BZ swears that no rights were harmed in the making of this promo.
6: This is Jersey Joe, host of the Reverb Common Sense, and you're
0: listening to SHRmedia.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are in fact listening to the Bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon radio show. It is Thursday, the year of our Lord, November 9th, 2017. We're talking to the underground professor, Dr. Michael Jones, and we're talking about the Electoral College and why it's significant. And what could possibly be the reason for people on the left to try to slaughter and eliminate wholesale the Electoral College itself? Before we left, I asked uh, Dr. Michael Jones, I said, you know, the biggest argument that I get, the primary argument that I get, whether it's cogent or not, is this. There are more people in these population centers, so because there's more people there, we should have a greater voice in what happens, and the popular vote should be it, it, it. Uh, How would you respond to that, sir? Well,
2: when I was an active professor, I got that a lot in my classes when we would discuss the Electoral College, and my question to that would be this. Why? I mean, why do you think... To these people, I say, why is the simple fact that you're piled up on top of each other like an ant colony make it superior and that you should have more sway in who our president is? Uh, You know, based on what? Just simply because you're crammed all together in a small place? You know, as a Texan, I feel like my neighbors are too close to me, and I live on five acres. (laughs) Okay, yeah, And yet... You go to like New York and they build up, you know, they don't spread out, they build up. And so they got floor upon floor of Trump Tower people living one on top of the other. And I don't get how that makes them superior to a state like Texas where we we can spread out and build our, you know, houses on acre properties and and whatnot. Uh, Volume by itself doesn't make one superior or give one more authority over choosing our government. Now we've already reached that as a compromise as I said earlier and that is this uh, these states that have like these you know, these coastal states where everybody's piled up on top of one another right where the population is built up, they do have a lot of influence in government through the House of Representatives okay? Now Texas has the same, but you know the fact that you know we're, we're like, well, I don't know what, fifteen percent of the land mass of the country. <laughs> so
1: yeah, you're that, massive, uh, but
2: we have a yeah, but we got a ton of people living in the state, so that's why we have a lot of influence. But these states uh, where everybody's living in, where the population is is congested, they have their influence over politics it's called the House of Representatives the Senate we designed so that everybody would be co-equal right and have the same amount of power and influence so even though it really isn't you know I mean you got to be honest uh, there are states that not everybody can even name all 50 states
0: right oh, so, hell no
2: yeah right so do we actually believe that all 100 senators are co-equal uh, you know yes technically, when it comes to voting and stuff, they are. But, you know, there are certain states that are going to have more influence simply because of the states that they're from. And and the bigger the state, the more influence they probably have in Congress. Now, I'm saying that as an outsider, not an insider. I could be wrong. But, you know, um, a lot of it has to do with how long they're elected, how long they've been there, the power that they can amass, the amount of of money they can accrue and influence through K Street and whatnot. But but why should that translate simply because there's a ton of you living in one place? Why should that translate to having greater influence over picking the president? That's not how the rules were designed. That's not how we were created. And it's not the way the rules were in place throughout. And I guarantee you that if Trump had had the popular vote, and Hillary had won the Electoral College. Yes, 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 None of these people would be out here telling us that the time for the Electoral College is over. <laughs> they, that, they would yes. be talking about how the system works. That's
0: absolutely so, it. Know, Gore yeah, and Bush, if, if it had been reversed, Gore and Bush, and it was President Gore, and then last year, November 8th, it was President Hillary Clinton, this would not be a topic of concern in the slightest. It's that transparent to me. But all these people Well, it people... wasn't
2: when when Obama was elected, that's your proof. They were talking, you can go back and Google it and you can find a lot of the libertards were out there saying that it was uh, the electoral college worked and that this was our time and this is how it's supposed to be and blah blah blah. And you know, and so and actually I can still remember that a lot of people on the right started saying, "You know, maybe it is time for it to go." And I'm thinking, "Good <laughs> Lord, you know, be consistent and and have some, you know, some values, some uh, principles." And and so, regardless of who gets elected, if the electoral call, if it's an honest election, you know, and you never know with Hillary because you know, look at what she did with her primary against Bernie. But. Um, you know the fix was in there, but uh, you know between Debbie was a man, Schultz, and the other uh, what's her name, the <laughs> chick that just got that book that's released. That's all Washington right. Clinton.
0: Yeah, Donna Brazil. We're going to talk about her later. Yeah,
2: yeah. that. Uh, so she, uh, you
0: know, oh boy. Well,
2: I I don't care. I I was out there defending the Electoral College when Obama got elected, and uh, the sad fact is the Republicans took probably the two. Worst candidates of unelectability in the history of America. Well, I mean, Dewey had a better chance. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so, yeah, so anyway, the Electoral like College works, and it's a beautiful system.
6: It is, and
2: yes, and it is amazing because it does limit the sovereign. Uh, it spreads out our power, and that's a good thing because as an American, the first thing we should fear is anybody having too much power, even if it's ourselves. And and that was a good thing in America for, you know, a couple hundred years until, until the progressives convinced everybody that we could reform government and create professional staff in government, calling it the bureaucracy, which is, of course, unconstitutional, and that they could reform government that way. And there... Then we decided that we could trust them and concentrate power and everything into them. And, and of course, as a Texan, Uh I would point out that uh, we just suffered a horrendous shooting at a church because the bureaucrats of this professional system couldn't get their act together.
0: I made that point last night. I said exactly that. The government that everyone relies upon and says, the government is our God It's the government that allowed that guy to walk free. You did not need Mm -hmm. one additional law on anyone's books. All you had to do is one thing your fucking job. And the United States Air Force failed at that job. And hence, you had that. Yes, sir.
2: That if Cornyn and these people actually do a real investigation, which I don't believe they will. I speculate and I have no proof of this. This is just my gut instinct and everything in my gut tells me this is what happened was under the Obama administration. They were ordered not to comply with these laws, just like they did with fast and furious, putting guns in the hands of bad guys so that they could, you know, create a gun culture and say, look, this is what's happening with these guns and we need to take them away. We need to punish everybody. Uh, uh, you know, you know, talk about the Fast and Furious program, right?
0: right? Exactly, where we got yeah, okay. uh, so border patrol agent Brian Terry killed.
2: Killed exactly, and I think uh, that part of the culture of the Democrat Party is to create a lot of fear and chaos in America, so that we, the people, the sovereigns, will come together and say, "Go ahead and take away our rights to protect us." As Franklin says, you know, those are the people who don't deserve security or protection, but, but. I think that was part of the culture. And, you know, you have. Yes, it was. uh, Ever since Clinton, you've had, like, Janet Reno, these people separate uh, the intelligence agencies from being able to share information. And I believe that the Obama administration went in and said, you're not going to report this stuff uh, because we don't want this out there. So that all these crazy veterans are going to get out there that have PTSD and have serious uh, mental disorders. Uh, they're the ones who are going to have more likely be you know, in the gun culture, and then they will get guns and create crimes, and then the people will beg for us to protect them from the military and from you know people owning guns and whatnot. And I think this is just one more step in a cog of their way of getting people to be afraid of guns in this
0: country. That's a rather hearty speculation on your point. Yeah. But let me throw this out there additionally. We know that the VA failed. Abjectly failed the bulk of veterans, the waiting times, the suicides that occurred while they were attempting some kind of a treatment, mm-hmm. the medical issues. Uh, what, I, I, don't to, I don't want to I don't want to. I don't want to speculate and say that was that was purposeful. Oh, it was. But, <laughs> Let me tell
2: you something, D.C., but, I had a I had a VA appointment two weeks ago. Okay. And it was my annual checkup. And seventeen times, count that seventeen times, I was asked in different ways how much I drink. Okay. And the the uh, well, then did I, they I ask you about guns? Oh yeah, yeah. They asked if I uh, uh, if I maintained weapons in the house, and I just smiled and said, "Come over at two a.m. and find out." <laughs> at, uh, the, uh, I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't recommend it unless you're uh, immune to lead. But the, I, I don't want to tell you who told me this,
1: but
6: okay.
2: a person in the VA pulled me aside and said, be careful how you answer those questions. And I said, what, what's the deal with them? And they said they're trying to peg vets with PTSD and then tell them that they're going to take away their right to carry okay. and and other, other options, they're going to take them from the vets because they're going to associate, like, PTSD and drinking and stuff and say these people should not be entitled to have uh, guns. And they're doing this in a pretty heinous way. In fact, I've heard... Uh, while I was sitting there talking, it, it became a discussion amongst all the vets that were sitting there. And come to find out, there were some World War II vets in there who said that they were having a hard time paying their bills. Okay. Uh, because they just, you know, are getting old and forgetful and crap. And so they set up bill pay on USAA. Okay. And, uh, okay, you know, USAA is United uh, United States uh, Armed Association, whatever I can't remember right. how, what it's called.
0: Yeah, I'm a member yeah. of it. My dad was a member, and yeah. I'm a member.
2: Well, there you go. So you know what it is uh, for your listeners. It's a, basically a bank for vets and their families, yeah. and um, and we take care of our own there. Well, uh, the uh, they have things you pay your bills, call them. bill pay, and you can set it up. And you know, half of my bills are paid automatically too because. I'm always forgetting to pay my cable and crap, so I just set it up automatically. They submit the bill, and then it comes out of my checking account, and I get a little email that says, "They, you know, they took five thousand dollars out for your, you know, October bill." And
0: uh, <laughs> you know, uh, like, no problem. What the hell? And,
2: right, got to cut back on the porn, and <laughs> uh, and so yeah. But, so anyway, these were uh, two vets that are in their nineties and you know are older, and they're they're saying that that uh, the VA is taking their money and, and their checking accounts from them, what? and they're assigning a VA clerk to, to uh, I don't know what the word is. I want to say control it, but, you know. So, so basically there will be a VA agent assigned to help these people pay their bills. And so the money will all go into an account that they have control over, and then they pay the bills for the best. And, uh, that's and a the, power and of the attorney. Premises huh? is that they're not competent. Yeah, well, they should be suing the crap out of. Yeah, VA that's interest.
0: that's stealing and creating your own yeah. individual power of attorney when none of those individuals, I would guess, acquiesced in any way, shape, or form no. to that at all. Well, no,
2: you're wrong. They do, and they all do Uh-oh. because they're given a choice: you either vacate your right to VA benefits or you acquiesce.
0: Oh crap.
2: So, you know, what do you do when you're living on this stuff, and that's all you have, <laughs> you know, then, you know, well, it's a lot easier just to give in. And so, um, okay. and if you uh, do a little search, you'll find stories out there that these people in the VA are assigning agents from the VA to, uh, to control these vets, uh, checking accounts and stuff, and it turns out that it's their spouse's. And that these vets are complaining that all their money's gone and they can't pay their bills now because there's no money left. And that these VA people are taking it and using it for themselves. And, you know, it won't take a whole lot of searching on the Internet to find these
0: stories. Wait, 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 wait. How can that happen? You're saying that the if if, if – if, let's say you're married. You're a veteran. I know that. Let's say that you have a wife. God help me. Yeah, I know. But but we're going to use that as an example. And okay. you, you collect benefits from uh, the, the veterans uh, department because you've worked X number of years. Your wife is married to you, and uh, she's going to be your next of kin, et cetera, et cetera. And you have your, your account managed. You, let's, say, let's say you're 90 years old, and you have your account managed or monitored, you know, euphemism perhaps, by USAA. Yeah. How is it that they can, they, USAA, somehow, are, are, what are they doing? Are they skimming some money from your account and, and there is no accountability? Or are they, is, is it accountable in some form of a statement and people don't know what they're doing because they haven't read the statement?
2: Well, it's, it's not USAA, it's the VA.
0: They, I'm, okay, the VA. Yeah,
2: yeah. and I just want to make sure that was clear. I wouldn't want mean, USA <laughs> coming after okay. me. Good point. And, uh, Good point. But but uh yeah, but uh some of these guys simply can't they can't really pay attention, you know. They just they try and right, get old. past them, they're yeah. overwhelmed. Yeah, it's they got they got other things on their mind, you know, like what did I eat for breakfast? You know. Uh you get to a certain age and you can remember what happened in nineteen forty, usually you can remember what happened yesterday. Yeah. And and so, you know, that I, I think it's just a Simple aging factor, but the uh, but it doesn't stop. And let me point this out it doesn't just stop with the military because this happened under the Obama administration and he expanded it to people on social security. And they're doing the same thing to people on social security, too. Um, and again, mostly it's the World War II generation that's being affected, but you know, there'd be Korea next and then. And then now I'm in desert storm. You know, we're right up there behind them.
0: Could you not say that that is an excellent case for elderly abuse? There are bureaus right? yeah. in departments, police departments, all across the United States devoted to elder abuse. At first blush, when you talk about the age of the people that are primarily affected by that, that's elder abuse on the behalf of the federal yeah. government.
2: I think it is. It's, you know, it's just like. People coming up to your house and telling you they're going to re-roof it after a hell storm, and then they take your deposit and never show up again. It's so there's no difference in my book. You know, they had no business doing this. If it was legitimate and up front, and there were judges involved, you know, where you went before a judge and you had a a hearing on the faculties of the person. Right. That was, you know. Uh, Due process. And stuff, and right, right. Due process. But this isn't happening. The VA is simply making this deter- determination arbitrarily, and then you have a choice of do you want to continue your benefits or do you want to uh, allow us to run your life? And this isn't just in that level. I mean, you ought to hear these things. Like, I was talking to some guys who said that they were, and they live over in Fort Worth, and they were ordered to show up at the VA in Dallas. And when they protested that there was a VA in Fort Worth that they could go to, they were told that either they go to the one in Dallas as ordered or they would uh, be uh, potentially lose their benefits, and then other guys spoke up and now, said, "Wait a minute!" You for know, those who don't know, I was told that I could lose my benefits simply because I missed a medical appointment.
0: Okay, now for those who are not uh, who are unaware, what's the mileage difference between Dallas and San Antonio, roughly?
2: Um. Oh, my gosh. Well it's hours.
0: <laughs> okay, like three, yeah. 400 miles, yep, something five, like that?
2: Four or five hours, yeah, something like that. Um, I can't remember now. Okay, but that's huge. And it depends on, you know, rush hour and stuff, but it can take several hours to get down there.
0: So you can, you can spend a day and perhaps even have to take a motel overnight to make one, one, count them, one medical appointment to the VA.
2: Oh, yeah especially when they have your appointment at like say eight in the morning you know so you have to go out the night before to get there and uh, yeah. and that's if you only have one appointment and stuff but yeah there's they're, they're doing these kind of things where uh, and and the rules used to be that if it was more than a hundred miles uh, that you had to travel to a VA then you could use civilian medical care okay and you know so they obobliviate that but but the Bizarre thing is, it's like, see, Dallas and Fort Worth, uh, I don't know, they're maybe 60 miles apart. And it can take an hour or two sometimes, depending on rush hour or whatnot, to get to okay. each one. But you know, say an hour uh, difference between the two. But the fact is, is, they're making people in Fort Worth drive an hour to Dallas to go see the VA there, which is overburdened itself when they built this brand-new state-of-the-art facility in Fort Worth. And what they're doing is is they're setting up these appointments, and then when the vet doesn't make it, then they're saying, well, you've lost your your benefits because you had a failure to report. Like, you know, like we're still active duty and we have to (laughs) show up for everything. I'm thinking, you know what? Don't don't call up and tell me I have an appointment on such and such day at such and such hour without asking me if that's convenient. And, uh, you know, because maybe I'm working and maybe I've got something to do. And, or maybe I'm on vacation. I'm not even in the state. But they will do that. They will simply mail a postcard to you and tell you when you're supposed to be there and what day and time and what clinic. And if you don't report, then you actually run the risk of losing your benefits. And and you'll have to go and fight it. You have to, you know. And that's just ridiculous. Uh, think about it as a civilian. That your doctor or dentist calls up and says you've got an appointment on such such day, and if you're not there, they bill you for it you would be pissed. <laughs> i like, wait a minute, I didn't even know I had this appointment. You never asked me if I could do this. Uh, you know, why, why should I pay you money for an appointment that I didn't go to, that I didn't even schedule? And this is what's happening to the vets, but it's even worse, because now they have to defend themselves.
0: Okay, now you said the difference yeah. in mileage between Dallas and Fort Worth. Did you mean between Dallas and San Antonio?
2: Well, no, I meant both, you know, because both things are happening, like
0: Okay, making so.
2: people leave forward to go to Dallas, but also making people go like down to Wilford Hall and stuff down in San Antonio, and uh, and do that too. And that's you know that's a huge burden, I would think, unless you happen to hit a specialist. You know, because there's some things that you know you think, okay, well this is a specialist. You got leukemia or something, you know, and and okay, well then that's a whole different ball game. But what they're doing is they're making vets travel to other places. Uh, where they have a simply a convenient VA right in their backyard and they're making them not use that and to go to somewhere else. And, uh, and for the sole purpose of making it inconvenient as hell so that the vet won't do it so that then they can begin the process of taking away the benefits.
0: Okay. The, or to take the,
2: over their life. The,
0: the biggest overarching question then that I, that first came to my mind is okay. Is that because there are so damn few VA facilities and they find themselves forced into doing this because uh, they they haven't built much, they haven't expanded, they haven't hired doctors or nurses. They have too many people for the system. Is is that what's happening? And, and this is the result.
2: Well, that's their argument. But again, you know, we got one in Fort Worth and we got one in Dallas. Why would you make them go to Fort Worth or to Dallas or to San Antonio? <laughs> yeah. When there's one right here in Fort Worth, and I don't mean a small clinic. This is a huge VA. It's a big deal. You know, it's it's a state of the art too. So, you know, again, what I'm telling you was anecdotal from stories that vets were telling me while I was at, you know, in the waiting room talking, and, and these things come up. <laughs> but you know, one thing vets like to do—they like to complain and they like to tell stories. <laughs> and uh, and you know, and that was just like tailor made for it. So. I don't know. There's there's something I'm I'm going to have to do a lot more looking into this, but but this is hanky to me. And if they're picking on these World War II vets because they can't defend themselves,
6: that's then, that's uh, heinous. That's I have a problem with that. Yeah, that's
0: absolutely heinous to take advantage of somebody that sacrificed so much. The greatest generation, literally. And now they're taking advantage of individuals who may, because of age, not be uh, on tippy top in terms of mental fecundity, etc. We have about one and a half more minutes before we go to a break. We were talking to uh, we are talking right now to Dr. Michael Jones, who is the under the underground professor. And uh, we started off with the electoral college. Uh, we kind of transmogrified over into the VA, but but I tell <laughs> yeah, you what, sorry this, about that. no, no, no. Listen, that is amazing, revelatory information that I'm glad that you're putting out into the ether because people need to know about that. Um, but I'm going to ask you a question. We're going to go to a break, and uh, the the first quest, question to to cogitate in terms of the uh, electoral college is. Um, is, is this. The current system does not provide some kind of check on the mobs. That's an allegation. So I'd have to ask you, is that correct? Folks, we're talking to the underground professor, Dr. Michael Jones. We are going to take a break. Thanks for listening live on SHRmedia.com. Thanks for being in the chat room, Whiskeydale, Mary Brockman, Dave Milner, and one viewer who will not be unmasked. And we're going to take a break. Thanks for listening and uh, listening in podcast, watching live on the SHR Media channel on YouTube and watching live on Facebook live on the SHR Media Facebook page. Be right back. Conservative media done right. You're listening to the
4: SHR Media Network.
1: Hey, it's Sean from the Sackheads Radio Show. Also one of the owners here at the SHR Media Network. Are you opinionated? Have you ever wanted to do your own show? Have you ever heard somebody like the Sackheads and go, yeah, I could probably do that better? Well, now's your chance. Send me a five-minute clip at sackheadsradio at gmail.com and maybe you can be part of the SHR broadcasting team. Sackheadsradio at
5: gmail.com. Beware, the Jersey Takeover is here. Every Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can catch River Common Sense Show, hosted by Jersey Joe, right here on shrmedia.com. Only Jersey can deliver hell like no one else. So consider this your fair warning.
3: Human by race. Christian by faith. American by nationality, and conservative by choice, Reverend Ralph J. Chittum Sr. is the right guy on SHR Media from 8.05 to 9 p.m. Monday through Friday. And if on the rare occasion I am ever wrong, I will still always be right. The right guy on SHR Media.
6: Power brokers use corrupt politicians, deceptive Islam, and lies from establishment media to turn the once shining city on a hill into the city of the blind. What do the elites fear? One man with a cane. I'm Dave Milner. Join me at SHR Media, High Plains Talk Radio, Spreaker, iTunes, and YouTube for a different kind of commentary on the Unpleasant Blind guy. Because truth is not always pleasant.
4: Hello, I'm Tim Hart. I'm the guy BZ Hires. Due to his shameless contract with the SHR Media Network to voice his promos, he'd like me to tell you that the Bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon Radio Show can be found on SHR Media Network, Spreaker, and YouTube every Tuesday and Thursday night at 11 p.m. Eastern and 8 p.m. Pacific, featuring right thinking from a left brain and doing the job the American media maggots won't. You'll find that the speech is free, but the drinks are not. There, in the saloon, just when safety pin manufacturers are running out of metal for the diapers of the leftists, BZ is sending his personal drones of freedom into the wheelhouses and ossicles of lovers of sovereignty and liberty nationally and globally. Broadcasting behind enemy lines in occupied California, BZ swears that no rights were harmed in the making of this promo.
0: This is Jersey Joe, host of the Reverb Common Sense, and you're listening to shrmedia.com. You are listening to the Bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon Radio Show here on shrmedia.com. You can go to YouTube. You can go to Facebook. You can watch it live. You can listen to it right here on shrmedia.com via Spreaker. So thanks for listening. Also to those folks, I should say again, Thank you to the people in chat, Whiskeydale, Mary Brockman, Dave Milner, and uh, one viewer. So thanks for that. We are speaking to the underground professor, who is Dr. Michael Jones. And it was terribly presumptuous of me, sir. And I apologize. I should ask you right now, uh, do you have about another half hour or so? I, I, I'm sorry that I kept you going. If you got something to do, please let me know. Uh, that, that was That was rude of me. And I apologize.
2: No problem. I, uh, as long as I stay awake, I can I can hang with you. Okay. Although I will warn you, I'm naked and laying in bed right now, supine.
0: Wow. Okay. Great visual, folks. Yeah. If you, I gave folks a mind worm <laughs> last night on uh, this hackhead's radio show, and I said, now you guys will not forget this because when you go and uh, you get through and you go and sit on the bathroom tonight, don't think about the anaconda in the toilet that's venturing to you right now through the sewer system in your toilet. So that's a mind worm, and thanks, Dr. Uh, <clears throat> Jones. You just gave us another mind worm. Great. Okay, glad to hear it. Breaking news. Breaking news. Hey, this... before I
2: forget, those <laughs> people that, that are piled up in these uh, you know, coastal cities that think they should have more influence, uh-huh. uh, I should point out that they actually do. And that is this. Uh, These states like New York, California, and Texas, uh, Florida, they have more influence over the presidential election than, say, like Rhode Island, who only, you know, if 100% of the people in in Rhode Island vote, they can cast three delegates, three votes for president. But if 4% of Texans vote, we can vote for 36 (laughs) uh, uh, votes for president. Uh, So, The massive population places, they are accounted for uh, because of the population. And that's through the House of Representatives, right? Right, As I said earlier, I just wanted to expand on that. that, But because of that, they don't just have influence in the House, but they also have influence in the Electoral College uh, by the amount of votes that are able to be cast by their state. Uh, But what the Electoral College does is it also in order to cobble together 270 votes, requires that you get the smaller states involved, too. And therefore, they get to share in this. Uh, but they don't take away from the big states in sharing this power. So I think I think I, I said that, but I didn't say it, I don't think, plain enough.
0: Okay. Here was, here was yeah. the, one of the first comments I got. On my blog post where I I mentioned that the leftists and the Clintons all want to get rid of the Electoral College because uh, basically what I'm concluding is it's sour grapes. Just as you pointed out, by the way, funny how it worked out for Obama. So when it worked out for Obama, that was just keen and nifty. No problem. Well, here's another comment, one of the first, and it's this. It says, Newt Gingrich summarized his support for the national popular vote bill by saying... No one should become president of the United States without speaking to the needs and hopes of Americans in all 50 states. America would be better served with a presidential election process that treated citizens across the country equally. The National Popular Vote Bill accomplishes this in a manner consistent with the Constitution and with our fundamental democratic principles. Thoughts? Well, for
2: one thing... We all are treated equally. <laughs> Our votes all matter the same. Uh, but we're not voting for president. We're voting for a slate of electors to go and vote for president. And if if he thinks that by going through this national vote crap, okay, well then what happens? These states with huge populations will now determine who is president at the expense of all the other states. And so those few... Very few uh, counties. I mean, look, Hillary won the popular vote, right? And yet, I'm not. There's hope- almost no blue on the electoral map.
0: Let me let me tell and you so one thing. What
2: we're- If I can
0: interject this, because I have about five articles now, one that just published that I was going to, I don't, I'm not going to have time to talk about this tonight, but there's another article Mm -hmm. that just came out that said there are at least roughly one million votes that they discovered were illegals voting for the Clintons. I have other articles that indicate there are anywhere from one to two to three million illegals who got in to vote for Clinton, and that, ladies and gentlemen, would account for Hillary Clinton's popular vote win, win, win. Right. Air quotes. Oh yeah. So I I don't automatically cede that argument that she won the popular vote for people that are not that don't have inquiring minds. Then okay, I can see where you'd say, oh, she won the popular wo- vote, and and that's it. That's all we need. I I take umbrage <laughs> with that too. I I I challenge no, that right. as well. Yeah. And so
2: did Trump. If you remember, Trump came right yes, out and says, I don't believe she won the popular vote. I think I did. I yep. think her illegal votes uh, are what put her over. And and you're absolutely right about that. Uh, I think uh, for convenience sake, <laughs> I just said, you know, Hillary won because that's the accepted uh, uh, problem, you know, out there that, that she won the popular vote. And you're right. I don't accept that. I think if you take out all the illegal aliens and felons and, and Multiple votes by Democrat operatives, uh, then uh, you know, I think Hillary didn't come anywhere near close.
0: Well, and that that accounts vote. that accounts perfectly for the big push to allow felons to vote, and, and there was mm-hmm. another example, and I mentioned this on, up in Virginia. Uh, I think <laughs> on the the Tuesday show, yes, exactly, exactly, Michael, exactly, Virginia, Nathan Larson, an ex felon who had threatened to kill the president of the United States, who was Barack Obama at the time, did about 16 to 18 months federal time. And he was on federal probation. Virginia decided, okay, in its infinite wisdom, this guy can vote. So he wanted to run or he was running, in fact, as a delegate out of Virginia. Well, he lost terribly. He lost abjectly. But he was running as a libertarian. The Libertarian Party said, "Oh, screw you! We're not going to give you. We're not going to sanction you as being a libertarian because one of the other things that he was running on, and I can see a perfect future for this, and I'm sure you can too, is he wanted to legalize child porn." That's what you're getting. That's what you're going to get sure. when you put felons Mambla. in situations <laughs> like this. Anyway, that, that said, let me throw this out to you, and I have not heard about this at all, so I'm going to toss it into the ozone for you. Uh, this one guy wrote in a, in a comment, In 1969, the U.S. House of Representatives voted for a national popular vote by a 338 to 70 margin. I have heard nothing of that, and so I'm asking if that's anything that's crossed your, your bow. In any fashion, because it is certainly not mine, and if so, no, where, uh, and if so, where did it go?
2: Yeah, uh, the <laughs> I haven't heard anything about that. Uh, not that it didn't happen, but I haven't heard anything one way or the other about it. But uh, obviously, whether Congress voted for it or not, it's not the law of the land, you know, because. Uh, if it was, then we wouldn't have the system we have now. And so, you know, whether it was a test vote or it was a, you know, the Congress does a lot of things a lot of times. Like, uh, you know, they establish things like National Hamburger Day, which, you know, <laughs> yes. we, it does not require us to rush out and go eat a hamburger that day. You know, we're not required. Uh, so Congress has a lot of sense of Congress, folks, you know, where they let us know how they feel. But it has no standing in law. And who knows? Maybe they did that. Maybe they, you know, did this to placate the people whining about the popular vote in the Electoral College and whatnot. Uh, But I haven't heard about a serious vote that actually passed and was signed into law and and that an executive, uh, you know, endorsed,
0: Okay, and the, in the it comments, does, yeah, yeah. in the comments, they keep harping back to this. To me, the electoral vote means that one person's vote counts more than another person's. That just doesn't seem right to me. Each each vote should count for the same. And you've you've pretty much answered that question. Um, yeah, well, I'm,
2: again, I ask you, how is it that my vote counts more? Or I mean, because they don't tell you, does my vote in a big state count more or less than one in a small state? Because fewer people live in a small state, and yet they still have influence. Uh, and look how many people it takes in Texas to change the zeitgeist. You know, it, it doesn't take nearly as many people to change Rhode Island as it does Texas. Yes. And so, you know, I can make the argument that the smaller states have more influence, uh, voters do, than uh, because, you know, a lot of money spent courting a lot of fewer people in these states. Uh, so, no, it's... There's give and take. It's not everything is not equal, but life's not equal or fair either. You know, there's pluses and minuses. There's positives and negatives so for all all of it. And, you know, what you do is you, you know, we've established a more perfect union. We did not establish a perfect union.
0: Um, here, here's another comment, and I'd like your your uh, your response to it. It says, uh, the current winner-take-all method of awarding electoral votes is not in the U.S. Constitution. It was not debated at the Constitutional Convention. It is not mentioned in the Federalist Papers. It was not the Founder's Choice. It was used by only three states in 1789, and all three of them repealed it by 1800. It's not entitled to any special deference based on history or the historical meaning of the words in the U.S. Constitution. The actions taken by the Founding Fathers made it clear they never gave their imprimatur to the winner-take-all method. The winner-take-all method of awarding electoral votes became dominant only in the 1830s, when most of the Founders had been dead for decades after the states adopted it one by one in order to maximize the power of a party in each state. Any thoughts or response to that?
2: Yeah, well, that was, you know, again, reform, right? That was one of the first of the big reforms, uh, no, there is no requirement to win or take all. And, in fact, not all states are like that. You know, we have uh, we have some states, like in the primaries, that have caucuses. And we have uh, some states where if you're listening on election night, and I don't remember which ones on top of my head are which, but
1: no,
0: Texas
2: is a winner take all. But there are other states where, you know, you hear that, you know, Trump won, but he only got three, three delegates, and you know, Hillary got two, and Bernie got one, or whatever, you know, and they split it out because there's a proportion. And, uh, and so not all states are winner-take-all even today. Uh, I would like to see, uh, if, if I had a, a drugger, okay. I think it would be great for us to mandate a proportionate system on all states. And that, you know, because I, I think that would make them have to work even harder to get our vote and our support. And, uh, and I think it would, it would make uh, these politicians sweat, <laughs> which always makes me happy. If they had to, uh, you know, go around in court and realize that they could lose, you know, a lot of delegates uh, because they didn't just squeak by. Because, you know, you get, you get one extra vote, you get 50 plus 1%. 50% plus one, then you get all the delegates. Uh, yeah, okay. But uh, I would much rather see them spend a lot of time in places like, say, Texas, uh, which gets ignored often. Uh, you know, because you're talking about the, these strategies of cobbling 270 votes. But everybody knows the Republicans going to win Texas, so guess what? We don't get a lot of the political advertising that other states get. We don't get the campaigning that other states get. Now, they'll swing down for a campaign fundraiser, but we don't get a lot of the politicking and, you know, the fighting between the candidates. The Democrats hardly spend any time in Texas uh, competing uh, because they know they're not going to win Texas. And, you know, the same is true with, say, Hawaii. (laughs) Where Democrats have Hawaii, you know, Republicans don't spend time down there. The Democrats don't spend time in Alaska, and you know, and, and so you know, they fight out for the purple states, and they, uh, uh, and that's about it. So,
0: well, yes, and so look at Look at New Hampshire. Get more
2: attention. Yeah, look yeah, at New Hampshire. But if we proportionated it, then they would have to spend more time in every state.
0: New Hampshire is a little winky state. Now, I ask you kindly: yes. Is New Hampshire a red state? Yes. OK, so then the argument to me would seem to be just a bit specious in terms of, well, you know, the 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 non-population centers, because what the hell? I don't know what the population of New Hampshire is, but it can't be more than a few counties in, it's 12. in Texas or something like that. Yet everyone <laughs> seems to have to win the New Hampshire primaries in order to move right. on. If you can get that, that's a, a feather in your hat. Uh, and then you can build a bulwark of, of votes beyond that. Of
2: support, yeah. Now, that's all media-driven, by the way. Uh, keep in mind this, that A, what you just said is true. B, New Hampshire is not just a Republican state, but it's an establishment Republican state. And so this momentum crap was designed by the media to force the Republican Party to send all of its people through a big filter of establishmentarianism. And uh, so, you know, this winged out conservative uh, candidates. And that's what its purpose is uh, by the left, is to force the Republicans into a moderate or liberal uh, candidate versus a conservative one. And, and all you got to do is look, at how did Ted Cruz do you know, <laughs> in, in those places? Uh, yeah. Uh, or or herman cain and those guys you know the the left of the republican party does much better the McCain's and romneys do very well in places like new hampshire and uh, the cruises don't now trump was an outsider and so he did very well i think there but uh but yeah that's that's its purpose Uh, new hampshire while it is a republican state it is an establishment republican state and its purpose uh electorally, is to filter Republican Party to uh, force conservatives to have to go around it.
0: Okay, well, that's that's some very intri- interesting insight, and I hadn't quite formulated that in my little fetid, knurled brain up here, but you make an excellent mm-hmm. point of that. There was another comment in my section which, sa- which said, In 2012, under the current state-by-state winner-take-all system, obviously not mentioned in the U.S. Constitution, but later enacted by 48 states, voters in just 60 counties in D.C. could have elected the president in 2012, even though they represented just 26.3% of voters. Now, this guy not once mentions Barack Obama, and I believe that's, that's quite purposeful. But he says with the current state by state winner take all system of awarding electoral votes, um, it could take winning a bare plurality of popular votes in only the 11 most populous states containing 56 percent of the population of the United States for a candidate to win the presidency with less than 22 percent of the nation's votes. But again, just like you respond before, we're talking about a presidential election. So it seems to me, clarify this to me if you would, the Senate, and we spoke about states that that have more power than others, but the Senate is split down the middle, 100 senators, okay, 435 representatives, but that's, as you indicated, where the power for the states that have the greater population, that's where their power comes in. But it seems to me that leftists want their cake, and to eat it too, or have their cake and eat it too, however the hell that goes, and I can never remember. <laughs> yeah, ask Murray. Yeah, that's true. So it seems to me like a lot of this, these days, concurrently, is just a hell of a lot of sour grapes.
2: Well, no, mostly. But keep in mind, if you look at the mindset of a Democrat, they're pro-government, and so they don't have a problem concentrating power in government as long as they're in power. Now, what they have a problem is is the unnatural state of conservatives or Republicans in power, <laughs> which, you know, let me look at the dysfunction. Uh, what was it yesterday? Uh, Agador sent me a, a soundbite of people outside screaming so that they could vent their frustration right. on the one-year anniversary of Trump. I mean, yeah. Okay. Do you really want these people to have a right to vote? We should have had cameras out there, and everybody that was out there should have lost the franchise. Yeah, because you're too stupid to vote. But, you know, that's not how our system works, uh, sadly. These these people have no problem with the concentration of power. They are not proponents of separation of power or limited uh, limited government. Correct. And so their solutions will be to undermine that. Uh, Whereas we, on the right think that our ability to choose for ourselves should be paramount that we're individuals and that we have rights and and responsibilities and we don't want government telling us how to do everything and the great myth of the left is that all of them will be the ones telling everybody else how to live their lives not realizing that they'll be vassals of the state themselves uh, but you know hey it's a great Great deal if you can uh, live your life like that and think you know how to tell everybody else how to live. But yeah, they, the the beautiful thing about the Constitution and elections is that there is virtually almost no rules in the Constitution about our elections. And in fact, they decided that the states would all figure that out. That each state would get to decide how they're going to elect the president. You, and and with this whole debate over the Electoral College, let me remind you of this. There is no right for you to vote for president or to vote for the electoral delegates who go and actually vote for the president. Did you know that?
0: I did not, but I would not be shocked. Yep. Guess
2: who's, who has that authority? Under the Constitution, the state legislatures have that authority. Now- you remember that the state governments were in power before there was a central government right. and the state governments gave birth to the central government uh, not the other way around which is unique pretty much in history <laughs> most of the time there is a central government and then it gives birth to all the smaller governments but in our case we were already thirteen different countries and we came together and said you know what we're going to create one country out of many E. Polaro's union. But we are also uh, going to keep in mind that, that we were sovereigns as, as each state. And that's why the 50 states are called states, which gets confusing to some people when you think of a state as like Germany or England or Japan. But we call Texas a state. And the reason why that is because it's a sovereign country who came together and so we had a United States of America, Correct. a whole bunch of countries that come together, and and we forget that a lot because you know we were in the 21st century. Uh, in the 18th century, when we created all this, that was novel. <laughs> and when they set up the Constitution, uh, the people that created the Constitution said, you know what, the state governments gave birth to uh, the to the central government, and therefore the state legislators will be the ones who decide who gets elected uh, for president and who gets elected as senators. And so, in truth, the state legislatures vote directly on the state senator. That's how it was established before we changed it with the amendment. But the state legislatures were also the ones who get to choose the electoral delegates to go to the Electoral College to vote. And most states thought, you know, while that may be our power, it would probably be prudent to give that to the We the Peoples. And so that became the way of doing it. All the states uh, decided to let their citizens of their respective states vote on the electoral delegates. And it is not outside of their power if, like, say, Delaware voted for um, uh, Trump and the state legislator didn't like that, then they could recall that vote, not submit it, not, you know, the secretary of state would not ratify it. or not. The word's not ratify. I can't think of what it is, but there's a word for it. But, you know, give it its official sanction and stamp it and send it to uh, the vice president. Of the united states who is the president of the senate and it's his job to reveal the uh, scores of the electoral college okay and that's one of his official duties as vice president is the electoral college meets votes and then sends the results to the vice president of the united states okay um, okay so uh, Delaware could say, you know, we don't like that. We're going to recall that vote and we're going to vote ourselves. (laughs) And they could change the vote and then resubmit it. They could fire the electoral college, uh, delegates that they had elected and send a new slate, or they could just vote themselves. Now, in this day and age, I guarantee you that would be political suicide, but it's doable legally. And, uh, because that's the way it was designed, was the state legislatures have that authority, and then they um, gave it to us as we the people, the citizens of our states. And now that's just the way we've done it for so long that everybody expects it. But, you know, I don't expect most people to even know that, because most people don't even realize they're not voting for president when they go and check that box. <laughs> they, they think they're actually voting for president instead of a slave of electors. So we we do a very bad job of educating our people.
0: If we've got three minutes left, if you could forecast into the future, put on your your future cap, so to speak, and say, well, you know, here's what I think the future of the electoral college truthfully may be. What what would you what would you think?
3: No,
2: one word. It's doomed. Yes, yeah, it's, it's doomed because the. The, the ever-present call for, for tearing it down. You know, it's never going to go away. The left will never stop begging for that. And, and I knew it was doomed when I started hearing people on the right speaking the same way, you know, like when Obama was elected. And um, I don't know if there's enough people out there willing to be educated on this and to see the beauty of it. Because uh, every election I, I, I've lived through, only reminds me that the genius of the of the framers of the Constitution <laughs> yeah, were were brilliant, and it's I mean it is a beautiful system, and we have had peaceful transformation of government ever since. Uh, but I think that you won't see that uh, when the electoral college is finally abolished under the name of reform again.
0: Uh, yes, progressivism. Sure, I think
2: you're going to see. Yep. Yeah. that that, what's going to happen is they'll become violent, transferring of government will be a result of that.
0: Uh, Folks, we've been talking to Dr. Michael Jones, who is the underground professor, and I would leave you and all with this final thought. I don't think we can come back from this. I don't think there's, you can't jam the genie back in the bottle if for this reason, and specifically this is why the Democrats have done this entire thing with regard to immigration, and the, the GOP is is certainly, they've been aiding and abetting just for a different reason. It's all for votes. If you can change the demography of a nation, then you can change the vote. And Wait. I submit to you, Dr. Jones, that's exactly why this is occurring, for that precise reason. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with these poor people. It has everything to do with the future of of one particular party wanting to get elected in perpetuity, period, end of statement. Dr. I Michael Jones, care. thank you ever so much. I greatly appreciate your uh, donating an hour and a half to the show tonight wow. about the Electoral College. And I know you've got to go betty-bye because it's 1130 where you are right now. So <laughs> thank you again, sir. I greatly appreciate it and have a great snooze. Uh, thanks to thanks. Dr. Michael thanks. Jones. Hi uh, everybody. Thanks. And we're going to be right back, uh, right after this word. And then the final half hour of the show is coming up. And I've got so many topics, and I'm not going to be able to press them into a half hour, obviously. But, oh, my gosh, where do we start? Folks, thanks for listening, being in chat, listening in podcast. Come right back, please
3: conservative media done right.
1: You're listening to the SHR Media Network. Hey, it's Sean from the Sackheads Radio Show, also one of the owners here at the SHR Media Network. Are you opinionated? Have you ever wanted to do your own show? Have you ever heard somebody like the Sackheads and go, I could probably do that better? Well, now's your chance. Send me a five-minute clip at sackheadsradio at gmail.com And maybe you can be part of the SHR Broadcasting. SackheadsRadio at gmail.com.
5: Beware, the Jersey Takeover is here. Every Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can catch River Common Sense Show, hosted by Jersey Joe, right here on shrmedia.com. Only Jersey can deliver hell like no one else. To consider this, your fair warning.
3: Human by race, Christian by faith, American by nationality, and conservative by choice. Reverend Ralph J. Chittum Sr. is the right guy on SHR Media from 8.05 to 9 p.m. Monday through Friday. And if on the rare occasion I am ever wrong, I will still always be right. The Right Guy on SHR Media.
6: Power brokers use corrupt politicians, deceptive Islam, and lies from establishment media to turn the once shining city on a hill into the city of the blind. What do the elites fear? One man with a cane. I'm Dave Milner. Join me at SHR Media, High Plains Talk Radio, Spreaker, iTunes, and YouTube for a different kind of commentary on the Unpleasant Flying Guy. Because truth is not always pleasant.
4: Hello, I'm Tim Hart. I'm the guy BZ Hires. Due to his shameless contract with the SHR Media Network to voice his promos, he'd like me to tell you that the Bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon Radio Show can be found on SHR Media Network. Spreaker. And YouTube every Tuesday and Thursday night at 11 p.m. Eastern and 8 p.m. Pacific, featuring right thinking from a left brain and doing the job the American media maggots won't. You'll find that the speech is free, but the drinks are not there in the saloon. Just when safety pin manufacturers are running out of metal for the diapers of the leftists, BZ is sending his personal drones of freedom into the wheelhouses and ossicles of lovers of sovereignty and liberty nationally and globally. Broadcasting behind enemy lines in occupied California, BZ swears that no rights were harmed in the making of this promo.
0: This is Jersey Joe, host of the Reverb Common Sense, and you're listening to SHRmedia.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, thank you very so kindly for listening to the Bloviating Zeppelins Berserk Bobcat Saloon. Right here, live and direct on shrmedia.com, the SHR Media Network you're listening in. You can watch live on the SHR Media YouTube channel. You can watch live on the SHR Media Facebook live page, and you can watch live on High Plains Media, courtesy of Dan the Man Butcher. Thank you ever so kindly and more kudos to Dan who supported myself and the uh, Sackheads radio show when our internet was wonky. That's the technical term by the way. Everyone knows that I am a techno. uh, I am a technophobe. I know all things technology so I can assure you I can promise you that that is the proper technical term when you lose internet wonky and that's what it was. Okay before I press on to something else Uh, i have to tell you that there's there's a little bit of schadenfreude running in me right now and that's why we're going to do this brief segment right here
3: it's time for Happy, happy, happy stories and good times
0: and what could be a happy story with good times more than this this is from sports illustrated more significant layoffs are coming to espn ESPN will lay off more than 100 staffers. After the Thanksgiving holidays, multiple sources tell Sports Illustrated the layoffs, which were described by a person briefed on the plans, will hit positions across ESPN, including front-facing talent on the television sides. I guess, ESPN, do do you have side-facing talent? Because if you do, I don't know, maybe on, on uh, let's see, on DISH, that's Channel 140. If I went to Channel 141 do you have side facing talent? And if I go to Channel 142, do you have rear facing talent? I've never seen it, but I've never really gone off of Channel 140 in any event. Hmm. Front facing talent on the television side, producers, executives, and digital and technology staffers. The Sports Center franchise is expected to be hit hard, including on air people, given the frequency of the show has lessened considerably on main network ESPN. Why? we have to ask why why is espn bleeding subscribers and viewers let's piggyback that shall we with this question why is the nfl bleeding viewers i'll just let you Answer that question by your very own self. You know, I was talking earlier about how the leftists, uh, and and that was what the entire uh, uh, tête-à-tête between myself and Dr. Jones was about, Uh, but it revolved around the Electoral College and how the uh, leftists want to just gut it and remove it wholesale, and this was an interesting conversation because, you know, I love to listen to, uh, I like to listen to the way this guy thinks. Because he thinks a lot like me. And that's Tucker Carlson when he had somebody on the show who said, you know, ripping that electoral college out by its guts, that'd be a great idea. Damn
7: Skippy. In an interview with CNN, she called for the abolition of the Electoral College, which for 230 years has dictated the election of U.S. presidents. Watch this. Do you think the Electoral
0: College should be abolished?
8: I said that in 2000.
0: Anderson Cooper
8: after what happened to uh, the 2000 election with Al Gore. We've moved toward one person, one vote. That's how we select winners. I was amused after the French elections when I...
0: Listen very carefully to what she doesn't say. Listen very
8: carefully. I was listening to an interview with a French electoral expert, and he said, well, unlike your country, the
0: person who wins the most votes wins. Ah, that's right. France, in its infinite wisdom, they're much smarter than we are, aren't they? The French... Mon me those French defrogs. So
8: I think it needs.
0: And Emmanuel, I'm going to do this because I have to. Emmanuel Mac, Mac, Emmanuel Mac, Mac, Mac. Be- be,
8: uh be eliminated. I'd like to see us move beyond it. Yes.
0: Yes, we
6: need to.
7: Leslie Marshall is a talk radio show host, and she agrees with Hillary that we ought to All abolish right. the electoral college. And she sure. joins us tonight. Leslie, good to see you.
8: Good to see you, Tucker. Hi, Tucker.
7: So pardon my skepticism, but this <laughs> last election seems to have changed the views of liberals on many things. I mean, I, for almost my entire life, liberals supported Russia, particularly when it was Soviet Russia.
0: Okay, stop here just a second. I'm going to tell you the obvious because you just heard it from, if you were listening to the interview, uh, the little the, uh, talking to the underground professor, Dr. Michael Jones. One of the things he said is, The leftists were okay, they were nifty peachy, with Obama having won the Electoral College. Now, as I ask, what was it that you didn't hear from Hillary Clinton? Any mention whatsoever about Barack Obama. Now, let's see if she mentions anything about Barack Obama.
7: Now they're against it because Hillary blames Russia for her loss. The Electoral College has functioned, you know for a couple of centuries we're a prosperous happy country now we have to abolish it because she doesn't like it can you look right into the camera and say if Hillary had lost the popular vote but won the Electoral College you'd be for abolishing it
8: oh, yeah. actually I would Tucker because sure. before I was a Democrat do not faint when I was in college and I was an independent mm-hmm. I was against the Electoral College then and I still am now regardless of the outcome of the election Now I must admit in our history five Uh, elections have gone against Democrats and favored Republicans uh, with the Electoral College uh, versus the popular vote.
0: Uh, Huh, imagine that. Do you see a trend building here? I do. But
8: that's honestly not why. As a Democrat, of course, I'll I'll take the... No, that's not why.
0: Come on. You need to have their senses beat into you. That's not why. Advantage if it
8: comes up, but I don't think it's an advantage. I think it's a disadvantage. I'm in a state, for example, here in California, where numerous people will say my vote doesn't count, and that includes many Republicans who are like it's just going to go to the Democrat.
0: How many Republicans are there in California? I don't mean rhinos because there's maybe seventy-five rhinos, but how many real actual conservatives in California are there? Well, there's me. Uh, Sackage Sean, Uh, Sackage Clint.
8: ...candidate anyway. And and unfortunately, that's true. There is something to one voice, one vote. I believe, and I, I love a democracy, a true democracy. And even though we operate as a republic, I would like to see... A majority rule even if my candidate loses and by the way the president
0: mob rule mob rule mob rule hey but they didn't want to see that in California because as far as they were concerned prop 8 was mob rule and so what did they do when prop 8 passed they turned it upside down prop 8 said marriage was between a man and a woman and prop 8 got supported it was the mob in California who supported prop 8 Saying that, uh, you know, marriage is in fact between a man and a woman. Then what happened? It went to court. And then what happened? It got kicked to the curb. Because after all, what is this? It's California. So, mob rule? Bullshit. ...himself,
8: huh. back in 2012, said... The-
0: Only the mob, when it's on the left, do you see the distinction. And this is a distinction with a
8: difference. Electoral College was a disaster for democracy, and he changed his mind... <laughs> As well. So it's not just us liberals who change their minds.
7: Oh, I'm not surprised. Uh, <laughs> then, I mean, let's take what you're saying seriously. Uh, if we're going to have a one man, one vote system, pure democracy, as you said, real democracy, then we've got to abolish the Senate because it's not, of course, democratic. A senator from California represents 40 million people, a senator from Wyoming represents a little over half a million. It's not one voice, one vote, as you put it. It's totally skewed. So you'd get rid of the Senate, right?
8: Well, I think when you have progress in a nation and you change, certainly huh. our country has changed in the past 230 years uh, from the late 1700s till now. I mean, not just our, our demographics, uh, not just how many states do we have now compared to then. I, on, on- By the way, did you notice
0: no real answer?
8: No real answer.
0: Move along. Nothing to see here.
8: Honestly, and I know they're going to get mad at me in Rhode Island, uh, but to have two people representing Rhode Island and two people, you mentioned the state I'm in of California, representing the population
0: of this state. Separation of powers. Ever hear either one of them mention that, by the way, which that's why I talk to the underground professor, Dr. Michael Jones, because he is, in fact, a constitutional scholar and knows about things like separation of powers and the distribution of power, and these people don't.
8: Uh, which is larger than some nations throughout the world. No, I, I don't. I don't think it's right, and and and, and I know you're okay, going to so be. But are you ready for this? The two-party no, system I mean, is a bit archaic to, as well. So okay. let's change
7: it. Let's progress. Do you want a direct democracy? You ready for the consequences, though? Because gay marriage wouldn't be the law of the land. It lost in California. Thank you. As you know, global warming, not even a concern for most people. You'd never get a carbon tax under a direct democracy. And you have to change the population of the country. So, in other words, the idea that the majority rules, it, you know, it's a great idea. And I'm for it. I'm more on the populist side. But a pure democracy would disenfranchise... Rich liberals, the ones who run the Democratic Party, completely, their ideas have no popular support. Is that a concern for you?
0: No, she's not rich.
8: I don't think their ideas have no populist support. And I understand what you're saying about a vote here in California. You have to look at the demographic of the voters and you have to look at also the the
0: language of that ballot measure. Oh, just like BZ said, now the truth is you're starting to see the zipper come open and the nasty teat of the truth slip out unbraziered. And that's this. It's all about the demography. It's the demography. Is that not what I said? And thank you, sister, for saying... It's the demography
8: here in California, okay. on a, on yeah, a national true, but it scale, happened. on a national scale, polls show that most liberal social issues
0: um, are actually uh, viewed favorably by both left and right, whether it's wrong, absolutely wrong, not just little wrong, not just sackheads Clint wrong, but horribly wrong. It's legalizing marijuana, uh, gay marriage. Um, and, and in California, yes. In leftist states, yes. In New York, yes. In Seattle, portland yes not the rest of the country
8: things like that and
0: fly over.
8: honestly tucker most
0: fiscal issues le- you want to push for another well they're pushing for another let me be- okay i was going to cover this on another day but i'm going to do this right now you want to push for another civil war because i'll tell you what's coming Gun confiscation is coming. Now, there was another little thing that I had uh, set up on Tucker about that, but I'm writing a piece uh, in my blog that I'll probably uh, talk about next week. But you push gun confiscation, you push the popular vote, and you give all the power to the red states, and you truly are asking for a second American Revolution. Now, there are a lot of people that, well, the guy that Tucker Carlson was talking on, talking about three nights ago, And Tucker Carlson said exactly that. Do you not think, because I do, that there would be a second revolution if you decided that, like Australia, you were going to just confiscate weapons? And perhaps, like leftists have already suggested, there won't even be it. It will be a complete and total, fuck you, we're just going to take them and compensate you for them? (laughs) Don't make me laugh. You want to do that? You're well on your way right now well on your way. Now, I thought November 4th was going to step off. Antifa proved once again that they're a bunch of pussies. But trust me, like the guy in Sutherland Springs, Texas, with a rifle and no shoes, that's no pussy. What do you think he's going to say when you come for his guns?
8: Left and right are, are more so agreed on. People are even Democrats, even myself, are a bit more fiscally uh, conservative. So I, I think it would work out. And in- Quite frankly, I want everyone to feel that they have...
0: Feel. Did you clue in on that? Not truthful, not facts, not history, not background. Feel
8: a voice. And in this state of California where I live oh, and in the yeah. rest of the states in this country...
0: In California, when we voted Prop 8 and Prop 27 and all that got shut down by the California Supreme Court, I wonder, did leftists consider how we conservatives... Felt? Did leftists consider how the bulk of Californians felt when that got turned upside down, obviously, by a leftist, major leftist California court?
8: Country. I know many people don't vote look at how few people vote in our elections
0: a perfect. presidential election that doesn't have anything to do that is a that is a distinction completely absent any difference whatsoever
8: our local elections because people voted
7: this time the public said it wanted something different they elected Trump and like everyone in LA's LA been how many
0: having people an voted, ever Tucker? since. how many people voted <laughs> oh,
8: how many people few. voted do it Leslie. Uh, out i don't of know the amount of people that can vote how many
0: yeah they, again Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Out of the people that can vote. Now, that begs another question. Are you talking, young chicky, about people who can vote because they they did this? They ambled up to the election box, and they said hola, and uh, filled out a little form, and no one asked them for any ID. They just walked right in, and they gave them a ballot in Spanish because you have to. And they ticked the most leftist person that they can think of because that's what they were told to do before they came in. And so those are voters. Again, I will have stories about this next week, but I am firmly convinced a minimum, minimum of one million people to two million and people posit up to three million illegal voters, not necessarily illegal immigrants. But people who didn't register to vote or dead, you know, as in bring in stage left, your average Mark one, model one, dead guy, name, social, etc. And there you go. You've got another Chicago voter, don't you? Certainly you do. Leftists are going to get keep pushing. They're going to go for the demography. You know it. I know it. Uh, let's let's stop this. Th- stop here for a second. I- I'm going to come back because Ginsburg. Let's see. I got about nine minutes left. Uh, Scotus Justice Jurist uh, Ginsburg. She also also wants to see the Electoral College gone. <coughs> Pulled out <coughs> Garrett Garrett around the neck. Um, And I didn't get to talk about Donna Brazile like I really wanted to. And uh, there is no time, really, to talk about Roy Moore. Um, but, you know, we were talking about Hillary Clinton uh, and the people that voted for her and her book, uh, and then Donna Brazil coming out and letting the cat, various cats, and all the kittens out of the bag. Uh, Hillary Clinton had literally, count him, Twenty-seven excuses that she's made for her 2016 loss. Uh, let's see. Let's let's go in no particular order that I can remember and tick off the top of my head. Uh, let's see. There was James Comey. Uh, she was dumbfounded. Uh, I thought, what's he doing when he uh, started the investigation? Once, once again, that's number one. The FBI. The FBI. Wasn't the Federal Bureau of Innuendos, she said. So the FBI's responsible, Vladimir Putin. Well, that ought to be job one. There's no doubt in my mind, she said, that Putin wanted me to lose and wanted Trump to win. So, oh, oh, God, this ought to be job two or maybe one or two. The Russians. I don't even have to tell you about that because we know the Russians. They they were probably number one. WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks conspired against Hillary Clinton. Uh the Comey letter, the, the the great measure by the by the Russian WikiLeaks. No, I'm sorry. Uh mind chick. That was uh Julian Assange. Oh 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 she votes you leftists and Republicans for being stupid enough to not vote for her because she calls you Low information voters, you weren't smart enough to recognize the absolute brilliance contained under the the calvarium of Hillary Rotten Clinton. You, low information voters, were responsible. The Electoral College, just got through talking about that one, Breitbart News and other conservative media, they're responsible. It's a vast Vast, vast right-wing conspiracy, is it not? Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon is the devil incarnate. Have you ever noticed, anybody that's been around him, I'm going to have to ask Carrie Baxter Donovan if this is true the next time I'm speaking to her. I'm told, and my nose is terrible so I wouldn't be able to suss it out. Anyway, Steve Bannon has the odor of sulfur about him when he walks around, does he not? anti-american forces there are anti-american forces that are working against her everyone who predicted she would win are you fucking kidding me she actually said that the people who were predicting that she would win are responsible for her loss now cogitate on that just for a moment Because her quote is, I was the victim of a very broad assumption that I was going to to win. What the fuck? Uh, Polls. Polling. That's responsible. Green Party candidate Jill Stein was responsible. Oh, my God. Because Jill Stein, right? She stole votes. And who else? Who else stole votes? (laughs) <laughs> well, it's no secret that the Obamas and the Clintons really don't like each other very much. So would it surprise you if I were to tell you she blames Barack Hussein Obama? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh! Don't, ah, this is another one. Let's not forget, we got to get identity politics into there because that's very important. It's, what do I smell right now? Well, besides the sulfur of Steve Bannon, I also smell the odor of... Hmm. Identity politics. Yeah. White women. White women were responsible for her failure. The New York Times. The New York Times was responsible for her failure. It was the media's coverage hover email scandal. In other words, because they actually covered a topic. They actually covered her email scandal. The New York Times leftist central on print is responsible. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is responsible despite the fact that Donna Brazil let the cat out of the proverbial baglet and Bernie Sanders got butt fucked, but that's okay, he's still responsible. You know who else? If we've got Bernie Sanders in there, let's throw some Bernie Sanders report, uh, supporters in in there as well. Oh, you know who had massive amounts of power? Brexit leader Nigel Farage. It's not enough to, to, to accuse, go jacuzzi of the people in the United States. No, it's go across the uh, pond over there, across the Atlantic, and Brexit's uh, adopter, Nigel Farage. It's his responsibility, too misogyny and sexism again gotta throw a little more identity politics you know <takes noise> mix to taste uh, facebook the vast majority of the news items in facebook were fake that's funny did you ever see any fake ads in facebook i never did campaign finance you had citizens united come to its full fruition so and don't oh, you can't stop there not just the New York Times. Oh, no. It was all of the media who was responsible as well. She says American journalists who eagerly and uncritically repeated whatever WikiLeaks dished out. So the entire media, all of the media, the American media maggots, are responsible. Oh, and women who didn't vote. You biatches are responsible as far as Hillary Clinton is concerned, for not ensconcing her on the throne, where she may be sitting right now, as far as we know. By the way, Hillary Clinton, if so, watch out for the anaconda mindworm. The Republican majority leader, Mitch, Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell was responsible. Um, Mitch McConnell, by the way, she called unpatriotic and perhaps even the most significant You thought Russia was bad. You thought that Putin was bad. Here are, again, more identity politics. Got to get it going. You know who was the worst? I mean, I know you know, but I'm going to tell you anyway, despite this comes out of Captain Obvious Land. Do you know who was worse? Men. Men were responsible Because she said this about men, you know, all of a sudden the husband turns to the wife and says, you know, I told you she's going to be in jail. You don't want to waste your vote. So because of that, it's the responsibility of men. I would submit even two more things. Um, I'd go so far as to say the two unmentioned things that should have been in that list of 27. Which would make it 29, would be this. And you know this to be true. Garen damn Teed. Title pull and sunspots, right?
3: Man has been what? <laughs>
0: Come, sunny day. Great song. World War II. Vera Lynn. English. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, thanks for listening to the Bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon live and direct here on the SHR Media Network. You want to contact me, you can go to bloviatingzeppelin.net. I'm on Twitter at bzep and email bz at shrmedia.com. My original music is by Possessed Tranquility. You can find them at ReverbNation.com. Promotional consideration by Boeing. If it ain't Boeing, I ain't going. Also, Pratt & Whitney. Engines. Thrust. You can trust. Thanks again to my personal KC-135 Kettle 1 contingent with whom I will be consulting as per normal in less than an hour. And I got to thank you. And you. And you and you. And you. And you. You I saw there. Stand up. I saw you. I thank you for listening to the show. So, folks, God bless. Have a great Veterans Day. Great weekend. You take care. Be safe.
3: Everybody, quiet down now and get some sleep.
5: Good night, everybody.
3: Good night, Mama. Good night, Ben. Good night, everyone.
5: Good night, Mama. Good night, Daddy.
3: Good night, children. Good night, Daddy. Good night, Elizabeth.
6: Good night, John Boy. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob. What's going on? I was asleep. What's
3: everybody doing? Good
6: night. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night. (laughs) Good night. And good luck.